Town Bank Mortgage, NMLS number 512138, is an equal housing lender. This podcast is for informational purposes only. And now, the man born with a 5 o'clock shadow and with the NMLS number 2028201. He is a gentleman. He is a scholar. He is... Tyler Crawley. So does somebody want to explain to me why all major indices on Thursday were up 2%? <laughs> like I thought, I thought it was a bad inflation report. And then we got some mortgage rate data, and I, I, I don't know. I, I'm done trying to figure out what is happening on Wall Street. Welcome, everyone, to the Friday edition of the Markets and Mortgages podcast. I don't understand Wall Street, but I do understand Main Street. Now, I, I sound like a politician now. I do. That's what, I, that's what they say, right? From Wall Street to Main Street. Uh, I mean, we're going to talk housing. That's That's the area that I at least understand better than wall street so did i say the show name already i can't remember markets and mortgages podcast i am your host the aforementioned tyler crawley and so we got the inflation report that we are going to be talking about and then we got mortgage rate data it's not great i'll say that it's it's not great and then some good news if you're on social security man you are about to get a big raise I mean, it's it's pretty big. It's pretty impressive. Uh, I won't leave you hanging. 8.7%. That's right. So the villages, man, the villages. America's, fr- well, remember it used to be America's friendliest hometown? Then it became Florida's friendliest hometown. Uh, it's about to be popping off at the villages with the 8.7% cost of living adjustment. We'll get to that, but let's start with, well, why? the cost of living adjustments happening with Social Security, and that would be inflation, which continues to be hot. It was hotter than expected in September. I mean, it's like another month, another hotter than we were expecting inflation report. This, of course, from the Bureau of Labor Statistics, the Consumer Price Index, looking at the month of September, the Consumer Price Index for all urban consumers increased 8.2% year over year in September. That is actually down barely from August when it was 8.3%. But it's a big but here. It's higher than economists were expecting. They were hoping to see 8.1%. So we got kind of like the Goldilocks situation. So it's a little bit less than the prior month, but not as low as we wanted it to fall. And that was because... The month-over-month increase was bigger than they were projecting. It was 0.4%, which is significantly higher than August. only 0.1% and higher than economists projected. They were projecting 0.2%. And here's the real problem. When you break these numbers down, it is just bad, bad, bad across the board. I mean, there's no silver lining here. There's none. I know I always try and find the silver lining. I try and be optimistic here on this podcast. There's no optimism here. Like It's bad across the board. So we got the core index. So of course, the core index is everything excluding energy and food because they're the most volatile. So we're going to exclude them. So, okay, well, if we exclude them, what's happening? Well, those items were up 0.6%. That's bigger. That's a bigger jump than the all items index. And for the second month in a row, They were up 0.6% month over month. 
The core index is now up 6.6% year over year. That is higher than August. It was at 6.3% in August. And economists were projecting it to rise, but only to 6.5%. So once again, worse than economists were projecting. That's the core index. That's the all items excluding the volatile ones. So that you can't even look to that and say, oh, well, things aren't so well, once you get food and energy out of there. No, you can't you can't see that. Now, I will say, of course, obviously, the main driver of inflation is, of course, energy and food. Now, energy was down 2.1% month over month. That's good. You know, gas prices, happy to see that. But energy prices are still up 19.8% year over year. But that's down from August when it was, 23.8%. So there, okay, you know what? There, I may have spoken too soon. If you're looking for a silver lining, maybe that's it. <laughs> Just a little, little sliver of a silver lining. Uh, food prices, though, not really anything good to report there. Food prices were up 0.8% month over month, and they are now up 11.2% year over year, which is just down slightly from the 11.3% that we saw in August. So I don't know, is that silver lining? <laughs> it's like, it, oh, food prices are only up 11.2%. There you go, there's your silver lining. And then here's where things get really bad. So if, if you, you know, we, we've talked about this before, but a lot of people have pointed out that CPI, you can't trust CPI, inflation is so much worse because look at what's happening with housing. Housing, you know, for the last two years has been skyrocketing. And when you look at these reports, it's just not showing that. We're not seeing this big jump in housing. Well, if you listen to this podcast, which you clearly do, we talked about why that was. It's because there is a lag. Housing is a lagging indicator when it comes to this report. And there's a lot of reasons for that. But one of the big reasons is because of how much this report housing makes up one third. One third of CPI are shelter costs, which is basically you know housing, rent, all that. And it makes sense, right? I mean, that's one of the biggest expenses, the biggest expense for most people is the roof over their head. And so in order to counter any you know kind of fluctuations, you know, they're 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 very careful with how they add it to the index. And it definitely lags. It takes a while for it to be felt in the index. But then there's also a you know, a, a result of that is it takes a lot longer for it to disappear once things start kind of turning around in housing, which arguably is happening right now. You talk to most people, you're seeing home price declines. And that's, well, we're going to talk about mortgage rates here in a second, but that's one of the reasons why. But here's the thing, looking at the CPI report, housing costs are up month over month and year over year. The monthly increase... 0.7%. Now, I've gone back and looked at this. In normal times, and regular times, it's like 0.1.2. Now we're talking about 0.7%. Shelter costs are now up 6.6% year over year. That is the highest on record ever. <laughs> so there you go for all the people who are crapping on CPI saying, where are the, here it is. Here are the housing costs. And here's where it gets even worse. Reed Pickett reported over at Bloomberg 
that Bloomberg Economics doesn't expect year-over-year rates for the major shelter components to peak until well into the second half of next year. I didn't say they weren't going to start falling. I said they're not, or he's saying, they're not going to peak until the second part of next year. And remember, once again, shelter costs are one-third of the index. So that is setting a very high floor. If you're looking at year-over-year housing costs at 6%, and that's one-third of the index, you are going to have to see declines in almost everything else in order to get inflation to the target rate, 2%, what the Fed wants to see. So this is, oh man, if you are a Democrat who is trying to make a positive argument on inflation, good luck is all I can say. And speaking of Democrats, you know, some people are trying to argue, well, okay, 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 fine. Energy costs are up. You know, those are very volatile. Uh, You know, food's volatile. Shelter, okay, you know, those prices are up. But if you remove food, energy, shelter, and used car prices, which, of course, you know, went out of control and out of whack during during the um, pandemic, well, then, you know, everything's good. Well, we're we're actually okay (laughs) if you just remove all of those major components. Here's the problem. That doesn't even work. That doesn't even work in this case. <laughs> I'm not making this up. If you exclude all of those things, energy, food, used cars, and shelter, the core index minus all of that is still 7.4%. <laughs> so you can't, I mean, there is literally, literally nothing in this report other than like, oh, food prices fell 0.1%, but are still up 11.2%. And energy prices are down, but they're still up, you know, 20% year over year. I mean, there's, there is, it is not good. It is not good. That's all I can say. So there are two conclusions to this. None of which are mine. Well, of course, I, I thought this, but I was going to allow someone who speaks much better than I or writes much better than I because they're, they're, they're writing this. So Neil Irwin from Axios was pretty straight to the point on Twitter about what this means for the Fed funds rate, saying, quote, to state the obvious, a second straight month of 0.6% core CPI inflation is not remotely what the Fed wants to see. Looks like 75 bips it is in early November. So if anyone was thinking, oh, maybe the Fed will reverse course, you know, look what's happening with housing. Maybe they'll, they'll soften up. No, that's not happening. There's no softening happening. And then uh, Jason Furman, who I believe worked in the Obama administration. So this guy is not a conservative. This, you know, he's, he's not even arguably middle of the road. I mean, I, I like Jason Furman. I think he is pretty middle of the road. But he worked in a Democrat administration. And he said on Twitter, if it makes Americans feel any better, inflation is higher in the euro area. They're at 10%. We're at 88 So it's like, oh, okay. Well, you know, Maybe Democrats can make the argument that it could be worse, but there's, of course, a, a problem with that. Um, Furman noted a lot of that. The reason between you know Euro, the Euro area and the U.S. is natural gas. Uh, core inflation actually remains much higher in the United States. So even if you're trying to make an argument, uh, it's just it's 
It's not going to work. It, this was a bad, this is a bad report. This is such a bad report. It, there, there's, you can't sugarcoat it. You know, I, I, like I said, I try and be optimistic. I try and find, you know, I don't, I don't want to get suckered into any of the propaganda that happens whenever economic reports come out. Both parties are trying to jockey for position. Uh, in this case, I mean, Democrats are just, oof, man, it, they just got to eat it and go, Ugh. hope the next one's better. <laughs> that's really, it's really all they got. Now, speaking of bad reports, um, mortgage rates, a lot of attention, a lot of attention. And uh, this is a weekly report that we like to talk about from Freddie Max. This is Freddie Max numbers. These are not my numbers. These are not town banks numbers. These are Freddie Max numbers. Okay, this is a weekly report that they put out to give you kind of an idea of where mortgage rates are. And if you remember last week, we saw a little bit of a reprieve. We had that kind of Halloween-esque 6.66% number. <laughs> I was like, can they hold off and have that number for Halloween? That'd be kind of cool, right? If 30-year fix was at 6.66% on Halloween, that'd be kind of cool. But um, so that's the number we got last week. This week, and that, and that was down. It was like down three or four basis points from the week before. It was like the first time in five or six weeks that we actually saw the 30-year fixed fall, according to the survey. Well, guess what? We are back on the up and up, and it was another quarter point increase. A little bit actually above that. The 30-year fixed, according to the Freddie Mac weekly survey for the week ending October 13th, the 30-year fix jumped 26 basis points to 6.92%. That was the third quarter point jump in the last four weeks, which now puts the 30-year fixed up 387 basis points higher than one year ago. Uh, in case you're interested, the 15-year fix jumped 15 basis points to 6.09%. And the five one arm jumped almost 50 bips, 45 basis points to 5.81%. Uh, Sam Cater, Freddie Mac's chief economist, said it is a tale of two economies, saying rates resume their record setting climb this week with the 30 year fix reaching its highest level since April 2002. We continue to see a tale of two economies and the data strong job and wage growth are keeping consumers balance sheets positive while lingering inflation recession fears and housing affordability are driving housing demand down precipitously. And in this case, the bottom line is very simple. September's hotter than expected CPI report with a stronger than expected jobs report means that rates aren't falling anytime soon. They, yeah, so it's a, this is a good reason why, once again, if I, as I always say, don't try and time the market. Just just don't. Because, I mean, you just don't know what's going to happen. I mean, we kind of know what's going to happen. I mean, it's unlikely that rates are going to fall significantly anytime soon with you know these reports coming out the way that they are. Jerome Powell is not going to be happy. The Federal Open Market Committee is not going to be happy. And there's no way they're going to be like, oh, yeah, let's start lowering rates. It's just it doesn't doesn't seem likely. And so, but you know, but it's an advantage. I mean, in all honesty, if you're a buyer, if you can afford, you know, now if, if you are not on the fence, if you're on a, if you're on the fence for affordability, you know, rising rates can push people out. I understand that. But if you're someone who's like, yeah, I can afford this house even with the higher payment, it's not a bad time to buy. I mean, you know, you're seeing, you know, buyers that are motivated, and so you can get the home for a, a lower price point. And then when rates eventually do fall, 
you can refi, but you still have that lower price point. So, you know, there are some people that are going to take advantage of this situation versus, you know, where we were like five months ago when you know, it was bidding wars all over the place. They're still happening. I mean, I'm still, I've heard about bidding wars. They're just not every single house <laughs> like it was. So there are advantages. There are people out there who are going to take advantage of this. There's a phrase that's making its way through the mortgage industry. The, uh, you know, marry the house and date the rate because a lot, pretty much everyone assumes in the biz that um, there's going to be a refi opportunity. <laughs> I don't think anyone expects rates to stay elevated, you know, in perpetuity and that there will be an opportunity to refi. And so if you like the house, you can afford it. You might better get it for a lower price point. May actually be an opportunity there. Okay, sales over. <laughs> My sales call's over. I got we're, we're done. All right, real quick here before we go, I mentioned this earlier, Social Security, the announcement from the, is it the Treasury? No, who makes the announcement? I actually don't even know. <laughs> I mean, I know, it's the, I know it's the Social Security office, but... I don't know who actually like makes the official announcement here, uh, but they, they made the announcement 8.7% cost of living adjustment for social security. And it was kind of funny because I, you know, I, I saw that. So that's a big number. And I went and looked it up just to make sure in 2021, social security was $988 billion. That's what it was costing out of our budget. So an 8.7% increase is 85 billion, which is 85 billion. That's nothing. That will now put Social Security spending over a trillion. Over the the T, baby, 1.07 trillion for 2022. And I was I was wondering some of these projections about when Social Security is going bankrupt. I was thinking of they probably don't include an 8.7% increase. Cola adjustment. And no, they don't. <laughs> Alan Rappaport uh, in the New York Times says that the 8.7% Social Security cost of living increase is welcome news for retirees, but it could bring the social safety net program a step closer to insolvency. <laughs> so older people now are happy. People who are going to one day be old like me. Uh, maybe not so happy <laughs> that this will hasten the demise of this entitlement program. Yeah. Trillion, baby. Over the trillion dollar mark. All right. You guys enjoy your weekend. Have fun. We'll be back here Monday morning. I, You know what? I think I'm going to do a Monday show. I think it's going to happen. So I will talk to you Monday morning. You guys enjoy your Friday. Enjoy your weekends. I'm actually playing golf today. Yeah, that's right. That's right, baby. Taking the day off, but not from markets and mortgages, for my my nine to five. I'll be playing golf. I don't know, but it's kind of work though, right? When you're in when you're in sales job, it's kind of work. Everything's everything's work. Everything take there's no there's no off the clock. <laughs> so I will be working but playing golf. And I will see you guys on Monday. Like I said, have have a have a great weekend. Enjoy the cooler, faller weather wherever you may be. And I'll see you Monday for another edition of Markets and Mortgages. And remember, as always, do not wait to buy real estate. You buy real estate and wait. <laughs>